Hey, it's Jay, and this is a special edition, a special one-shot episode of Unthinkable. We're still on hiatus, technically speaking, between our stories from episode 200 to, I guess it'll be 202 now. We're on a bit of a break. We've done a couple things so far. We've uh, updated the cover art. I'm really excited, and a huge thank you to Asher Silverman for the design. The art really reflects our renewed focus on the premise that spawned the show in 2016 to begin with. It's always been there, but now we really want to make it overt and pursue it with as much energy and excitement as we can. That premise is to explore stories of people who trust themselves more than best practices and all the refreshing, unconventional, and deeply resonant work they do. I think this makes them all the same type of creator, irreplaceable. They're not trying to be the best. They're trying to be your favorite. Shouldn't we all? So that's the first thing we've done. The second thing that we've done and I've done is really thrown myself into the whole conversation around generative AI. Not all of AI, that's a bigger body of technologies and knowledge, but specifically the type of AI tools that can generate content, things like Jasper or ChatGPT. I've really tried to insert myself in that conversation because I do believe that we're meeting a moment, you and I, that our belief system, that our style of work and the type of work we hear from the stories on this show is more needed than ever before. And so while the show continues its hiatus and we work behind the scenes on new episodes that really focus on our premise, while the show's on a break, obviously the world is not. And so I just wanted to chime back in quickly here because this matters too much. And if my mission as stated everywhere is to help people make what matters, then I just wouldn't be upholding that mission if I didn't chime in to you right now. So fine. I'll talk about AI. This moment just hits different. Understand, I don't typically do moments. I don't love talking about the headlines or the trends or the hot new tech. Friends have actually joked with me that I'm too punk rock and need to be a little bit more pop to reach a bigger audience. These are the same friends that tell me I'm too warm and fuzzy, too. Little do they know, I'm fuzz rock. No, I don't typically talk about the current moment. But this moment just hits different. Thanks to generative AI tools like ChatGPT, this moment has brought to a head several things that I've staked my career on teaching and telling stories about. Things like creating content, building brands, being creative, serving audiences, and generally just making things that matter to your career, company, and community. The thing is, I'm not really talking about a hot new trend today. I'm talking about something that's been a problem for a while. But thanks to this technology, it just got way more urgent. So let's talk about the moment, because for the first time in a while, it decided to break into my house, and I will protect this house. So what do I make of ChatGPT? Will it replace us, enhance us? Is it dishonest to use it to create whole pieces of work? How can we incorporate it into our projects or our marketing? And where will it all go from here? Great questions, which I am absolutely not going to answer. Hashtag fuzzrock. Instead, here's what I really want to know. How did we get here? How did we arrive at a place where so many creators see AI tools like ChatGPT as a killer robot coming to beat down their doors and crush them? Why do we worry these tools are greater masters of the craft than we are? I think the explanation is simple. We're obsessed with only one part of the craft, and it's the exact same part AI is getting shockingly good 
at owning. I think mastery is actually the combination of mastering three different things together. Let's call them the three P's, posture, process, and practice. Unfortunately, we have overemphasized one of them above all others, and it's actually done us more damage than good. And now AI can replicate that part of our mastery with the greatest of ease. But before we go down that road, let's just learn about each one of the three P's. Number one, posture. Your posture is how you see yourself and how you see the world. I didn't include how you see the work because the work is a bridge between the self and the world, or at least it should be. When we create content, what we're really trying to do is create connection. To do that, we need the work to convey meaning. That comes from you and you alone, or more specifically, how you see. The work then acts as a kind of connective tissue between you and others, your vision and their reality. As Ishiguro said about stories, they're like saying to other people, do you understand what I'm saying? Does it also feel this way to you? Or if you're less into literature and more of a fan of music, here's how David Bowie put it. Always remember that the reason you initially started working was that there was something inside yourself that you felt that if you could manifest it in some way, you would understand more about yourself and how you coexist with the rest of society. He's talking about your posture, how you see. How you see informs a whole list of things that makes you uniquely you. Your confidence, your clarity, your boldness of purpose, your imagination, intention, memories, personal beliefs, personality quirks, and the internal self-talk running in your mind all the time. Various combinations of those things then create your ideas, your personal style in the work, your tone of voice when you write, and more. Taken together, this creates a kind of creative fingerprint unique to each of us. And so, of course, we want our fingerprints all over the work. Otherwise, it's too sterile because we are absent. And here comes similar sounding pieces spawned by an algorithm, just like the stuff where we're absent. Your posture is like this big bag of humanity that you haul with you whenever you arrive to the work. Ready to create something? Open up the bag. What do you see? How do you use it? You do use it, don't you? Number two, process. Your process is how you direct the creation of the work. It's the combination of your techniques, workflows, and tools. Now, notice just a couple sentences ago, I said how you direct the work, because too often we let the techniques, workflows, and tools that we adopt direct us. We're looking for an abstract, absolute answer or some kind of perfect system or great technology to save us, or at least tell us what to do, like we're checking boxes or following a list of action items. We're really trying to let ourselves off the hook when we do that. And that can be really enticing. It's also exactly what we're taught in school. Find the correct answer, then act. If you don't know the correct answer, don't act. But with creativity, we can actually act to find our answers. That's what creativity really is. It's only through the practice that we should find our process, not through theory, because there is no connection back to the self or to the unique situation that we operate in. There's no correct or one way to create. So the theory is just incrementally useful more foundational, more fundamental, more transformative to our work 
is executing the practice and developing a process uniquely tailored to us. Unlike your posture, how you see, and your practice, how you create, the process feels so full of stuff that's abstract that others can hand us without us doing much work, but it can feel so productive to learn that stuff. It feels so productive to learn about things like Pixar's 22 Rules for Storytelling or Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, the Pomodoro Technique for Managing Our Time, a list of viral hooks on social media, or, of course, 10 clever prompts to use in chat GPT. Simply learning about these things has become conflated with learning or mastering the craft. But I actually think it's a very convenient place to hide from sticking our necks out and shipping more creative, more personal work. Because it feels so productive to immerse ourselves in ideas about the process. Meanwhile, what have we produced? Anything? Anything worth producing? You are the master, not the tools, not the process. You are the chef. Things like techniques and workflows and tech are just ingredients. In what world does the chef ask the carrot to cook? But that is exactly what I think when I see people outsourcing their decision-making and control of their work and direction to a tool or a checklist from an expert or adopting anyone else's process and expecting it to produce work that's personal and powerful, work worth doing. It's like the ingredients are running the kitchen. It feels like that level of weirdness or madness when I see it. Me, I like my process kind of like I like my babies. Born after labor. If, if you agree to forget that I ever said that, um, I will also agree. Thank you. Anyways, I'm bad at citing resources. I'm bad at citing books about our work that you have to read because mostly I've read none of them. I'm too busy throwing myself into the work, tinkering and learning, finding little angles and big new avenues, finding myself through the act of creation. Maybe I do it that way because I'm privileged. I am. Maybe because I'm delusional. I am. But I always thought, well, I can probably mold my own process to myself and figure out my own approaches if I just made a ton of things. And maybe that will be better for my process because the process will end up being built by me, for me, instead of grafting on someone else's approach and hoping it fits. Tony Stark created the Iron Man suit around his own person specifically, and that made him a superhero. If I want to be a super creator, shouldn't I do something similar? If I get stuck, I always figured I can go out and grab a piece that I need. There are infinite parts lying around the internet, mostly for free. That's how I view all these external ideas about technique and workflow, no matter how legendary like Campbell or new like social media hooks. And that's how I view tech, including ChatGPT. I'm sorry, but that tool just does not solve any problem that I have. This externalized understanding of process feels more incrementally useful than the more foundational and transformative things like understanding our personal vision and personal practice. It could be useful to know process for sure, but all those heuristics and tools are best pursued reactively only after we've encountered a problem, only after we've gone as far as we can go relying purely on our posture and the next part of mastering the craft, our practice. Number three, practice. Your practice is the act of repetition and reinvention over time. 
It's how you apply your process. Though, as I mentioned, it's also how we might find the process to begin with, a better process, a personal process capable of producing more personal, more resonant, more super-powered work. If your posture is how you arrive to the practice and your process is what guides your practice, then when it's time to actually do the work consistently, it's time to actually practice. And a healthy practice is a combination of two things, what you ship and the cadence at which you ship it. Publishing once is one rep. Publishing every Friday is a practice. It's a collection of repetition, reflection, and reinvention, all of which you control. Nobody can tell you not to create. And over time, your practice develops your body of work. In other words, your making muscles get stronger. We each need a practice all our own. And you're currently experiencing part of mine. I might write to you, but I write for me. In building momentum and skills through the practice, we create a virtuous cycle. Our practice improves our posture and our posture improves our practice. How we see can shape the work just as practicing the work can shape how we see. There is no killer AI robot, only humans who are glitching. The reason so many creators are worried about being replaced is they see so much of their own work in content produced by AI already. And the reason that's the case is they've become way too reliant on the most replaceable part of this work. They have over-indexed on learning process. In doing so, they've removed the self way too much to produce work that's singular. And that's why spinning across the internet, you see so much sameness. Everybody's obsessing over the process. So when your brain goes, just read a blog post, just find a template, find an expert. How does one do this? That's a sign. You're being pulled towards process at the expense of your posture and practice. It's messing with your mastery. It's like a robo voice telling you to find the exact combination of zeros and ones that will solve your problems. You're seeking an external solution when really your answers are better found from within. And there's a word for that actually, intuition. Literally, the word comes from the Latin intuary or to consider, or the Middle English word intuit or to contemplate. Consider and contemplate how you might do it, your own posture and process and practice. Answers from within, because if it could be outsourced, then so can you. Instead of proudly telling others how many books you've read about storytelling, imagine if you were too busy telling stories. Hey friend, you got any favorite books on story to recommend to me? No, I'm too busy telling my own. Mastering process is not full mastery of the craft. It produces replaceable work because it's the most repeatable and replaceable part. At worst, you create commodity forgettable stuff because your work lacks the parts that require you. And therefore, someday, you may not be required. Most of the process stuff is incrementally useful at best. But then there's the stuff that's actually the worst, like information arbitrage. This famous guy didn't book his first acting gig until age 45. Here are his top five quotes about persisting. Or how about oversimplified nonsense? Brands who don't adopt this will be left behind. Then of course, forever, we've had keyword stuffed articles 
everybody knows the importance of X. Today, we talk about five ways to do X for people who are embracing X as part of their marketing. And then my favorite, studies that we somehow revere, even though they're studies in being perfectly average. We looked at 653 of the world's top blogs. Here's what we learned. Gee, 653, that number's awfully specific. Maybe you were told that odd-numbered headlines get more clicks, but please proceed. The most used type of headline was a question. Oh, interesting. But, but what's the character count of those questions? How long should our headlines be? And while I have you, how long should an article be? How long should a podcast be? And what's the best time to tweet this or post it to TikTok? Or, or what's the best time to upload a video to YouTube? How do I turn my one big piece of crap into 20 tiny bits of crap? And, and what's the best tool for smearing that crap across the internet? The problem isn't that bots will replace humans. The problem is that humans are acting like bots. The more templated something becomes, the less defensible it is to own. Tech will do it eventually and faster. So where are you in all this mess? If you know how to imbue your work with things that feel personal, then AI is your intern. If you create things that are formulaic, that just about anybody in your space could have made, then AI is your replacement. Because it can already do what you do. But it will never be able to do what you can do. If you read my work, if you listen to my work, first of all, thank you. But I want you to know, I want you to experience my work. I don't want it to feel like anyone else's. Chat GPT couldn't have known that my friends call me too punk rock and think that I should be more pop to reach a bigger audience. And the tool definitely doesn't know that I'm really fuzz rock. I mean, my friends don't know that. So how could the tool? That tool could never write that. It could never write or produce work that's wholly mine because I'm pulling from my lived experiences, writing in my voice and pressing my ideas through my lens of the world, my vision for the world and my relationships to it, how I want to solve problems or address my audience or hopefully make you better. I don't want to create content. I want to create connection. I think we all do. Maybe we need a word for doing stuff like that. How about fuzz rock? Hashtag find your fuzz rock. Please ensure that your perspective, your lived experience, your beliefs, your tone of voice, your personal style shines through the work. Let your quirks out from where they're hiding. Be proactive about your posture. Don't publish anything without your creative fingerprints all over it. You are the master chef. Everywhere you go, you bring with you a messy bag of humanity. You can choose to reach into it freely, gratuitously, and constantly to wield who you are like a chef wields a well-sharpened knife. It could be hard to even recognize that your posture is a thing. I get it. And as with most of my years making stuff, I think what I've noticed is that we just sort of leave this part to chance. And maybe that's yet another mistake that we make. Mistake number one is removing the self in favor of obsessing over process, whether or not we do that intentionally. Mistake number two has to do with our intentionality. It's that we never learn how to proactively deploy the self into the work. We never try to proactively identify our creative fingerprints and get them all over the work. But now we have no choice.
The problem isn't bots replacing creators. The problem is too many creators act like bots. So now we go inward for our answers or we go nowhere. All work either becomes more heart-based, more personal, or it gets eaten by creatures made of code. One creature like that is already approaching. But this is your house, and you will protect this house. At the door, a killer robot threatens to break in and crush you. Or is it an intern back from an errand that you assigned? As with all of this work, how you see determines what happens next. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you doing that personal, powerful style of work and a few ways I'm trying to push and help other people to do the same thing. Number one is this show, of course. You're already here. Thank you so much for listening. Number two is my fortnightly newsletter, Playing Favorites. That's where we explore ideas like resonance, storytelling, and increasing the power of our work, not just the volume. So if you love making things that hit home and resonate deeper, if you think that's a better way to grow your career or company, subscribe to playing favorites. You'll join thousands of creative people, both in-house for brands and independents who believe in resonating deeper to grow better. You can subscribe at jayaconzo.com or check your show notes for a link. And lastly, I'm really excited to be piloting something called the Creator Kitchen. It's a subscription platform that gives you access to online learning and guided practice through workshops and group days and group roundtables to push you forward, to help you increase the power, not just the volume, of the work that you do. So look out for that in the coming months. I'm currently testing it with about 20 subscribers. That's the Creator Kitchen. It's coming soon. I cannot wait to tell you more about that. I'm gearing up all my projects and new ones to help equip creators like you to thrive on the quality of your ideas and the mastery of your craft to do more personal, powerful work, not to chase all these endless trends. So more on that soon, but in the meantime, keep making what matters. I'm back in a month or two. See ya.